Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Dr. Anna Kabeka. Dr. Anna is the best-selling author of The Hormone Fix and Keto Green 16 and Menopause. Dr. Anna is triple board certified and a fellow of gynecology and obstetrics, integrative medicine, and anti-aging and regenerative medicine. She holds special certifications in functional medicine, sexual health, and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. She lectures frequently on these topics throughout the world to large audiences and is known nationally as the Girlfriend Doctor and is the host of the Girlfriend Doctor Show. She has personally developed natural products to help women balance hormones and thrive through menopause, including the highly acclaimed Jolva Cream for the vulva and Mighty Maca Plus, a powerful superfood blend. She now lives in Dallas with her daughters, horses, and dogs. In this episode, Dr. Anna shares the top hormones women should be focused on and specifically the number one hormone, which luckily we can support in so many free and loving ways. You'll definitely enjoy supporting this hormone and you'll know what I mean when you take a listen. Welcome, Dr. Kabeca. It's so, you know, it's such a privilege we were just saying to have you on because when, before I went out on maternity leave, you were on our list for people I asked some of my coworkers to reach out to. And it was such a pleasant surprise to find you booked when I got back. And I've been waiting for this interview um, because for a lot of our listeners, we talk a lot about women and their hormones and the importance of them. So I know today is going to be really helpful for our listeners, as well as myself, because for anyone who's been pregnant or in postpartum, your hormones are all over the place and they still are. Um, But thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, it's great to be here with you, Kate, and with everyone. And also we'll have some things in for men too. And it's important for men to understand about women's hormones. It really does make life better when you understand some of these key things. And and first of all, Kate, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. That is awesome. And uh, motherhood is a journey for the rest of your life. Oh, yes, it is. That's actually, you know, I was just writing something um, for a video we're doing the other day, and that's exactly what I said. I said, it's a journey, right? Like, it's a long journey, but it's the best journey. Um, And, you know, there's so many things along the way. But I would love for you to start off with just telling our listeners a little bit more about your journey um, and how you got to where you are and how you became passionate, um, you know, about hormone health and helping both women and men, like you said, which I'm glad you mentioned. Um, and just give us, you know, a, the the short end or the long form of it. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, along your lines, I've had um, four babies. I delivered four children and um, from their now ages 15 uh, to 27. <laughs> and I have a bonus daughter who's 34. And, um, and you know, all daughters, all daughters. So hormones are my specialty out of necessity. <laughs> so I like to, I like to emphasize that point, but also my own hormonal journey. So yes, I went to, um, medical school, osteopathic medical school. And yes, I went to OBGYN residency at one of the best institutions in the world, Emory University, and where I was trained. And yes, I had my own hormonal health journey. And so that is really what brought me here. Plus, 
I lost my mom while I was in residency, and she was only 67 years old, undergoing a second heart surgery. And, you know, we're like, okay, this, this surgery is going to give her another 15 years, right? She first had a cardiac bypass when she was in her early 50s. And then at 67, she was having another surgery um, for aortic valve replacement. And, you know, she never made it out of the operating room. God bless her. And she and I had to figure out why. I had to understand why best doctors, surgery was, you know, perfect, all this other stuff, but she never, she didn't survive. And so I learned about what I call the devil's pitchfork, the adrenal dysfunction, inflammation, and hormone imbalance. Those three things are the prongs of the devil's pitchfork and, um, and also polypharma. So she was on 11 prescription medications at the time she passed away, no two of which were studied in any human, let alone a menopausal woman. And so I became a very strong advocate for that. And I was like, no woman should undergo this. No woman should suffer. No saint walking on earth, as my mom was, as I, I love to think of her, should have their life cut short, you know, and, and miss out on the beautiful grandchildren, now great-grandchild that she would have to enjoy. And so I, I take this mission and, and everything I say, everything I write, every program and product I create with that passion in mind about empowering individuals, to t- especially women, to take their power over their body back, to recognize that, yes, our body is the cathedral, not the temple, the cathedral of our spirit. And it is within us to continuously renovate, <laughs> rejuvenate, repair. Do all those good things to this physical body, this physical house of our spirit. And, and it's so critically important to know that it is 90, you know, 90 to 99%. I like sometimes, Kate, I have to admit, I say 90% because I'm still an egotistical physician. I like to claim 10% as in like, okay, like 10% prescription, 10% surgery, whatever. But um, really, it's like 99 plus percent is within each of us, every listener here today, everyone's capability to have a better, you know, tomorrow, have a better next year than you're living this year. I'm curious if if you mind talking about a little bit more about your hormonal journey. You said you went through hormone hell. You know, where were you and then how did you adjust to, you know, where you are now and feeling better? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a long journey. I think with you know, listeners, you'll know that there's a roller coaster in our lives. So when it really, it really came to head at age 39, I was diagnosed with early, I had struggled with obesity my entire life. Both, you know, my mom's side, my dad's side, diabetes, you know, mom was diagnosed in her late 30s, early 40s with diabetes. Dad was diagnosed in his 50s with diabetes and both died from consequences of diabetes. So diabetes on both sides, first generation American. And I had, um, diag- I was diagnosed with infertility at 39. I went through round after round. And here I am, you know, I had already delivered three beautiful children. And, um, and I went through round after round of in- highest dose of infertility meds. And remember, I, I trained, I trained with reproductive endocrinologists. I had the best in my, in my pocket. And they're like, okay, well, your only option is egg donation. And at that point, I was then diagnosed with early menopause. FSH was sky high, LH was sky high, no varying response to the multiple injections I'd been given. And 
And it was devastation. It was devastation upon devastation at that time in our life. And I really write um, more of the details and the personal story in my book, The Hormone Fix. I won't share all that today, but I do write about it because I want people to understand how stress and trauma can affect us. And that was a big part of my life at that point. And so that diagnosis of early menopause and infertility, and here I am, you know, at the, the supposedly peak of my career, you know, reproductive age, and all, all of this. And um, I took a sabbatical from my practice, got heartbroken. I, I left my practice for a year and, and my family. And, um, you know, I, I studied medicine around the world serendipitously, not purposely. I wasn't capable of purposely planning anything, but I planned a part of the trip. And from that, I learned some from some of the world's most amazing indigenous healers, some of the world's most amazing leading scientists, physicians, researchers. And as a result of that journey, like, you know, learning about maca and adaptogenic roots from Peru and Brazil and New Zealand and, and Indonesia and all these different places that I traveled to, um, I, uh, and with God's grace, I was able to reverse that early menopause diagnosis and naturally conceive the daughter I was told, the child I was told I would never be able to have and at 41 years old. So at 41, I, I had this beautiful um, baby girl, and her name is Ava Marie with full gratitude. And, um, and that was part of the reversal. And as I stepped back into my medical practice, I was just on fire to help my patients experience the incredible capacity our bodies have to heal themselves. I mean, that story too. And it's amazing when you step outside of your comfort zone as well. And like leaving your practice, I'm sure was a big deal and leaving your family, right? You had they three. I took them with me, homeschooled oh, okay. them on the way. Well, that's yeah. great. Cause I was wondering too, in my head, I'm like, did you do we, that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we all went. Yeah. But that's, that's amazing to be able one to do that, but also then to learn and bring it back to your practice in a new way. But it all started with you, right? It started with healing yourself. So what did you find, you know, and obviously I'm sure you learned so much, but what do you think are your top points of wisdom or... Yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, there's this this piece because during that time that before I went on the journey and even before I like I had you know, years, years before I was in this place, you know, when I was going to be in a group practice or solo practice. I was a solo OBGYN for many, many, many years. And so there was this song that came, like I was just like praying. I would say, if you need help and guidance, fast and pray, get high clarity. And for me, that is just part of my upbringing, part of my practice, part of my discernment practice. And so, um, I was in that state and, and this song, turn on the radio, this song comes on by Leanne Womack and it's called, I Hope You Dance. Yep. Oh my gosh, y'all just go listen to that song. Uh -huh. I Hope You Dance. And that inspired me in so many ways and so many times throughout my life. It was just like, you know, take the chance. Listen, trust your intuition. Don't, you know, go for it. Just, just go for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that was, that was probably, you know, sometimes we just don't know what we're doing and we just have to like jump off the edge. We just have to. 
And that was part of what I did. No, I love that. And oh my gosh, I love that song as well. Um, but I'm curious, what do you think were your top, you know, things you learned or tips of wisdom that you took back with you that you find just has been working over and over for your patients? So for women listening who are looking to support their hormone health, you know, which hormones should they be looking at? And then how, what's, what's the best way to support each one? I know we could talk yeah. for hours about that. Totally. But give like me like whole, your top, your top, exactly. Like give me your, you know, your top ones or just a few that you really think people should pay attention to and one thing they could do for each. Yeah, there's absolutely a hormonal hierarchy. And before I talk about that, I'm going to say my first book is called The Hormone Fix. And the first thing I say is it takes more than hormones to fix your hormones. I think this is really important. So my my process is what I call the keto green way. It's a diet and lifestyle mindset. You know, it's an entire um, process that helps us optimize our most powerful hormones in our body and then downstream. And I used to think, Kate, as a gynecologist and obstetrician, being tested on, quizzed on, grand rounded on, you know, the hormone pathways from cholesterol, pregnenolone, progesterone, DHEA, estrogen, testosterone, I mean, all of them and the enzymes that get us there, right? I could, I could, uh, I still today can see those pathways very, very clearly. And what I realized with through my own journey and my own healing process is I incorporated what I call now and, and trademark the keto green way is that, you know, those are minor, those are minor hormones. We have to address, like, consider them like students at a university. All our reproductive, there's, you know, hundreds of hormones in our body. And like every student at a university has its own goal, its own path, its own purpose. So do all the hormones in our body. But at the head of that student body, at the head of that classroom, there's professors. And those professors that are designed to keep order and improve upon the experience, you know, the, the knowledge and, and life of the, the students, those hormones are insulin and cortisol. They're more powerful than all our progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, DHA, melatonin. I mean, name it, growth hormone. We can name them all. But insulin and cortisol, those are designed to keep order in the mayhem. And when those are disorderly, just like a drunken professor or someone who just puts on a movie and sits in the back of the room and sleeps off a hangover. I don't know if you had had any like that in in your university years, but (laughs) you know, you know, there's like a little bit of disruption in the hormonal body, right? At that point. So then the dean of the university, this is the most powerful hormone in in our bodies. It is my favorite hormone. And when we can optimize and we have great, you know, leadership at the top, right? At the top of the university, Teachers and professors are great. The student body is great. I mean, there's there's a design for this. Well, for us in our body, that hormone is oxytocin. That is the hormone of love, bonding, and connection. It's the most alkalinizing hormone in our body, the most anti-aging hormone in our body. It is, I mean, it's just powerful. It, I mean, at the end of our days, it's why we, you know, you know, what we want to have stood for, love, kindness, generosity. And that is the hormone oxytocin. And so it is the most powerful hormone in our body. So we look at the hormonal hierarchy to understand that 
and, and create the processes to enhance oxytocin over cortisol, manage insulin that's, you know, built in. So yeah. with me, the alkalinization process, making sure we've got the greens, making sure we're doing the um, stress management, the meditation, enjoying, playing, laughing, all of that's going to bring down cortisol and bring up oxytocin. The intermittent fasting, the no more snacking, the lower carb is going to put us into ketosis, which is going to make insulin more sensitized. So more insulin sensitivity and more order. So that's how physiologically the plans then that I put into place work with the hormonal hierarchy that we have. I love that. Oh, I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for a better, more concise <laughs> answer to my question. So let's dive into oxytocin a little bit more. And I'm so glad you brought this up because most people, and actually we've had, we've had quite a few guests on talking about hormones and not one person has brought up oxytocin. Oh, it is my Which favorite. is so interesting. And obviously I feel like I, it's been at the forefront of my mind. I feel like right around when you have children as well, because like you're always thinking about oxytocin. Also, you know, if you're breastfeeding and, um, but I, I designed, so I want to go yeah. back when you deliver, did you deliver naturally, vaginally or? Yes. Very, like, within, okay. within 30 minutes. Oh my God. You oh, are. it was That's quite impressive. Labor. <laughs> that is impressive. Well, and then you hold this child in your arms. What did you feel? It, it, like to me, it's like a rush of emotion, almost like um, right after an adrenaline rush. It's like the come down. Um, it was, a, I will say, with my daughter this past pregnancy or it, delivery, I should say, it was a little bit different because it was like, are we going to make it to the hospital in time? Like it was just go, go, go um, versus my son. We were there for a little bit longer. I had time to process that this baby was coming, whereas like she came full blown in. So, but yeah, it's just this like rush of love and emotion and that's adrenaline. Oxytocin. It's everything. Yep. That's oxytocin. And that's by design, those contractions stimulated by oxytocin. If you're not contracting as an obstetrician, I'm going to give you pitocin, which is pharmacologic mm -hmm. oxytocin. So that oxytocin now bonds you to that baby, this child. In 30 minutes, you didn't have much pain, but I'm sure you had enough, right? I mean, it still caused pain. It's yeah. analgesic. You forget that. It's amnestic, so you forget mm -hmm. the pain. It's analgesic, so you, you, you know, the pain is less. And um, then you have this bond with this child. So now this child imprints on you and you on it and like you will do anything. And, and for me, it was like they explain how much you're going to love your child, but you don't know until you feel it. That's, the, that's that physiologic bond that is now formed in the, just for the rest of your life. I mean, like, <laughs> yep. through the teenage years, you're still bonded. Although, you know, like, who can I send my child to now? No. And, you know, I mean, they... they Y'all, listen, I have four daughters, four teenage cycles. They've been through it all. So I love them all. It's amazing. I actually had the girls at my dinner last night. So, um, but it, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You get this bond for the, you know, really, it's so powerful. That's the power of a hormone. That's the power of oxytocin, that love and connection hormone. Now, what's also really important, and because, you know, as a, you know, one of the things with more oxytocin, you've got, greater coherence, greater heart rate variability. It's a very healing time. So now like you're connected to this child. Like you're, you know, if you measure a mom's heart 
you know, a pattern and a baby's heart pattern, they start to get in synchrony very, very quickly. So, I mean, it's a beautiful part about breastfeeding, but right above your heart, right? You're breastfeeding above the heart. You're getting the synchronicity that's survival. That's designed for, you know, thriving. I mean, it's just such a beautiful, we were just designed so beautifully. And, you know, as an obstetrician, during labor, if you were there a little bit earlier, we'd probably be listening to the heart rate of the baby, looking for that heart rate variability, like, okay, great heart rate variability, you know, baby's doing good versus flatlined or low variability, which happens in stress state high cortisol states, you decrease heart rate variability. And that, if I saw that on a fetal heart rate monitor, I'd be like, let's get that baby out of there. You know, and, and um, we forget about that once we're adults. You know, like once yeah. the baby's out, we're never measuring heart rate variability again. But that's such an important part of health and repair and resilience, being able to recover. We're all going to have traumas, real, perceived. <laughs> you know, made up. Um, but that resilience is, is through, you know, our body's ability and capacity to recover. And heart rate variability will give us an indication of that too. And so I think like when we think of um, oxytocin and its power, I mean, you've just recently witnessed it full force. Oh, 100%. And that's why I'm curious because, yeah, nobody really talks about it. I feel like most people talk about it around um, pregnancy and postpartum, but then as an adult later, what what would be like three things you would tell your patient to do to increase their oxytocin? Sex, sex, orgasm. I mean, that is like all in one. Sex, you know, enjoying it. Like number one, enjoying sex, having fun, having orgasm. That's going to increase your oxytocin. So that will naturally stimulate your oxytocin, things that feel good and bring you pleasure, for sure. So you could do massage, facial, but sex intimacy is really good. And 20-second hug, a, you know, pleasurable hug, you know, loving hug, kind, fraternal, or a sororal hug, that's fine. I mean, it's just that connection piece, like you're bonding and connecting to someone. That also increases oxytocin. So um, playing with a pet. Like, that's why people with pets live longer. Happy marriages live longer. Um, doing things you love and enjoy that bring a smile to your, your face increases oxytocin. That's easy, right? That's the easy, easy. prescription to write. Um, right. I know insulin is a bit more complicated, but I'm so glad you brought it up. I, To me, managing your blood sugars, insulin, all that is kind of at, you know, the root of health. Um, so what, in terms of managing insulin, you know, same question, what would be three things that a listener could start doing today to help keep their, you know, their insulin levels, let's say, more steady, right? And not not spiking all over the place. Okay. So this is really good because, you know, I, I my whole Keto Green is about stabilizing your blood sugar. But for my second book, which is called Keto Green 16, it's a 16-day omnivore plan and a 16-day vegan plan. I wore a continuous glucose monitor for like almost a year as I was making the recipes, fine-tuning my recipes, just to make sure they're not spiking, you know, my blood sugar, which is very sensitive, or anyone else's, right? So, um, so I, I study, again, I study this extensively. And since then, 
And I think it's really important to realize it's not just the food we eat. So like a keto green diet, and we can give you a link to some keto green recipes, free keto green recipes and things like that to share what a day in the keto green life looks like specifically for you. We have a keto green calculator quiz. So um, we'll, we'll give that to you. But um, so with the, who was I? Now I lost what I was saying. Kate, what was I saying? Oh, how it's not just about food. Oh, it's not just about food. So, for example, I was speaking on stage doing a keynote presentation fasting because, like, my brain should be sharper, like, you know, should be um, more in ketosis and brain function is a lot better. And you'll see, um, you know, so I always do my speaking engagements fasting whenever possible. And so fasted state, blood sugar, 80, 90s, you know, a little bit stress, go up to 100 a little bit. But for 30 minutes, my blood sugar was up at 150 the first 30 minutes of my hour presentation. Then it started to come down. I mean, typically if I eat like five French fries or whatever, it'll go up to 200 or 160 and come right back down. But up for 30 minutes, that was the effect of stress. That blew me away. I had no idea. I mean, we say, well, stress will affect you. But we didn't, to see how physiologically it's affecting you, I mean, right there, just perceived stress. Okay, you know, I'm here in front of a friendly audience, but I'm still terrified. Or driving in Dallas traffic. Oh boy, my blood sugar will go up and stay up. A cup of coffee in the morning, black coffee, and I like my double espressos, will increase my blood sugar 20 points. So you got to, even though there's no sugar in it. So it's really important to pay attention to these things. So actually, let's, you know what, let's talk about coffee because I feel like most people are like, well, then how, what's the best way to have your coffee in the morning then? This is, this has been time tested, time tested wisdom. And I would say, you know, I have, I have many vices, but my three main (laughs) vices are coffee, wine, and chocolate. And so I researched my vices. I've made wine, you know, I've I've made wine. I, I lived on a coffee plantation for a month and in Brazil, a fazenda, it was really amazing. Cafe Elena coffee. If you guys are in Brazil. Get Cafe Elena coffee. And um, so I, I really studied the process of making coffee. Anyway, all that to say is that when you get a cup of coffee overseas in the Middle East and in South America, it's typically after a meal. A small espresso mm. coffee or Turkish coffee or an espresso type coffee after a meal. You're not, you know, having it all day or starting your day with it for the most part. I mean, traditionally, that wasn't done. So it's a digestive. Coffee is very acidic. When is that best eaten? Well, to drink at the end of a meal to aid digestion, right? To aid digestion. It makes sense. And a little bit because you don't want to dilute your digestive enzymes. So like a double espresso at the end of the meal. So now I drink my coffee, which I'll go up later and drink my coffee. And it'll be a double espresso, and you know, because I already had my um, uh, shake, uh, keto green shake, a protein shake for uh, lunch. So, so that's when you do it. You have your coffee after you break fast, ideally, but it depends on you. For many people, uh, my friend Dave Asprey, he's like, oh, first thing in yeah, the morning, he's we've had his him coffee. On. And, uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he is a big advocate and he's perfectly fine with it. And, um, and for many people, they are. I have sensitive adrenals. I've had trauma and mm-hmm. stress. And, and for others, you know, but by design, coffee was designed as a digestive. Yeah, you really have to pay attention to how you react to it. I know for myself, I can't, the most caffeine I can do, I do a half decaf, half caffeinated blend. And that is like 
some days I can't even do that. It just is too much. So you have to really listen to your body. Mm-hmm. For the yeah, caffeine, I'm a rapid was. caffeine metabolizer. So the caffeine doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, but I'd be curious to see what the caffeine does to your blood sugar. And me too, as a you know rapid metabolizer. I don't. I mean, I can drink a pot of coffee and be go right to sleep. So yeah, I've always been. I've had that history, but you know, it was interesting to see what it was actually doing to my blood sugar. That so, is so interesting. It's fascinating. And how, and that's why how it's long, so the yeah. one. How long do you suggest that people fast for? And obviously, it's different. Are per, we talking about uh, when we're talking about intermittent fasting? Okay. So, like, so, even you know, for yourself, and I know everyone is different as well, right? Yeah. So, each patient is a little bit different, but generally speaking, um, how you know how long should women fast for um, so when they're doing intermittent fasting? Yeah. yeah, and it's a really good question, and it really is going to differ on everyone. But I've been, you know, really focusing on this area um, clinically and personally for since 2014. And um, too long of a fasting, especially in certain um, genetic types, like myself specifically, I mean, we'll form more uric acid. We'll, our body will get into a um, metabolic stall and a protective state. And we can actually, you know, hurt, you know, hurt our metabolism and gain weight. And um, so what I found through this and with most clients, it works really well to break fast by 10 a.m. after a 13 to 16 hour fast, especially in the perimenopause, menopause transition time period and beyond. I mean, you got to listen to your body. Try different things. It's We talk about, you know, flexing your fasting intervals. I mean, sometimes I do, I mean, Sundays are my one meal a day. So a 23, 24 hour fasting window. And it's a one meal a day and it's like a meal can be a feast or it can stay be, still be keto green, but it's that extended fasting window. And, um, but on an average, it's 13 to 16 hours. I find that when I extend that too long or I, I wait past 12, one, two, cause you're not hungry cause you're in ketosis typically and you're, you're forgetting about food that I'll actually gain weight at that point. And so it started working in my girlfriend doctor community to start checking on people's time of break fast, uh, duration of their fasting intervals. And that's what I found to be a very common, um, a common issue. So. And then let's talk about your, your extended fast on Sundays. You know, one, why did you start doing that? What effects have you seen for yourself and for patients? Um, and how is that different than your, your daily intermittent fast? Yeah. So again, not not every Sunday. I wish it was more um, disciplined, but uh, for the most part, it's part spiritual and part physical, right? Combining the both, healing the mind and the body. And um, and so because with you know, number one, if you're extending a fast and you're like, okay, well, I can eat anything this meal, you know, that you're not allergic to or sensitive to, that's inspiration to say, okay, I'm going to extend the fast and and um, have my feast meal this day. So I like to do that with family, friends, dinner out, whatever. And so that's part of it. And also because there's good, you know, there's good benefits for extended fast, extended autophagy too, for our body to do its cleaning and repair work as needed as well. So I think there's there's good research behind that as well. And I would say there's feasting that needs to be part of your lifestyle too. So I usually say 10 rounds 
temp, you know, 80% keto grain, 10% feasting, 10% fasting. Oh, I like that. I like that too. Um, is there anything else in terms of cortisol that we should be paying attention to in terms of lowering it that we haven't discussed today that you find most patients or clients do need or even for yourself? Um, with cortisol. I mean, it's yeah. like there's a normal circadian curve to cortisol. Cortisol is designed to wake us up in the morning. Right. It's designed to be high in the morning and wake us up, not at 3 a.m. per se. Right. But like, you know, a decent time after sunrise, um, we should cortisol should wake us up and, and that should be spontaneous. We should be able to wake up without an alarm clock. And so that's what cortisol is designed to do. But sometimes it's, you know, our circadian rhythm is so messed up. It is so critical for health and vitality to reestablish a healthy circadian rhythm, which means healthy cortisol fluctuation throughout the day and so for, which is high are, in the morning well, and then yeah what would you say i mean i think we've talked a lot about circadian rhythm on our podcast but what would you say to someone is like the one thing they could do every day to help reestablish their circadian rhythm uh sunsets watch sunsets not through glasses or ideally not through contact lenses either but to see the beautiful lights of a sunset, that will really help establish, re, you know, because in, innately your body recognizes that as the time to wind down. It's now time to produce melt trigger, produce increase in melatonin, very powerful antioxidant that our body makes, and to uh, wind down and get that good night's sleep. So I think sunsets. I love that. I mean, you would be my favorite doctor. It's like, okay, go home, increase your oxytocin by get, giving some hugs, watch some sunsets, reduce your stress to help your insulin levels. I mean, it's fabulous, right? And it's all things, again, that it, they're you low lifts. Do. Yeah, they're, mm -hmm. it's not, they're not expensive, right? They're free. Yeah, oh, you can, totally. And, oh, and I can spend your good. money too. We want to add other stuff. Believe me, I can spend your money too, but 99% of it, it's free, right? Mm. It's your in your power. I'm still claiming oh a percent. No, but but it's it's really amazing. Um, I love it, and I know our listeners are going to value it so much. So we love to end every episode with a little rapid fire Q and A. So three questions. First thing that comes to mind: What is your favorite de stressing practice or support tool? My favorite de-stressing, really, it's, it's the practice of gratitude. And, um, you know, before I open my eyes in the morning, because, you know, days are stressful. I'm a, you know, busy mom, business owner, and, you know, uh, entrepreneur. And so um, before I open my eyes in the morning, I say, I ask myself three questions. What am I grateful for? Rewind. And, you know, just to really recognize and appreciate all there is to be grateful for. And there was a time, I say this very, um, humbly, because there was a time in my life where I didn't feel grateful for anything, so depressed. Um, so what am I grateful for? Number two, and these are life-saving. These three questions have been life-saving for me. And the second question is, where did I see love yesterday? Where was I loving? Where could I have been more loving? And the third is, where did I laugh yesterday? Where could I have laughed more or laughed at myself more? And usually that list is pretty long. Um, gratitude, love, and laughter. That is ne necessary 
for my physiologic circadian reset? That may have been our best answer to that question. I think we've had. Better than Bob? <laughs> Battery operator. That was boyfriend. also a great truthful answer. Um, I We may have covered this a little bit, but coffee or tea? Preference. Coffee. Okay. And you said you take it, you take it black, right? Your espresso. Yeah. Espresso. With a little twist of lemon, ideally, like when I'm ordering out by making myself, because the oils of the lemon take away that bitterness. So good. Mm. Oh, good to know. I need to try that. Um, Favorite home cooked meal? Favorite home, you know, yesterday I made this because my birthday week and I made a, a Wagyu beef roast, cooked, I seared it with cardamom on both sides. And some allspice, seven spices, and um, baked it with onions, you know, cooked it in the oven for two and a half, three hours with onions, some sweet potato and some carrots, and served that with its au jus and delicious, delicious. Oh my gosh, so delicious. And happy, happy birthday as well. Um, Oh, that's, that's a feast. I mean, that sounds phenomenal. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Beck, for coming on. I would love for you to tell everyone where they can learn more, um, find you, learn about the Keto Green Way, learn about your books. Where should they head to? Definitely come visit me on my website at dranna.com. So D-R-A-N-N-A.com, really easy. And I've got tons of resources, my girlfriend doctor show, and I'm at the girlfriend doctor on social media. So especially Instagram. I pop in there a lot because that's where I can see pictures of my granddaughter and my girls and all that good stuff too. So no, um, I love your Instagram. I love following your Instagram. There's so many good, which I feel like is for most people too. It's like when you want to just get like a quick nugget from someone, you know, and that's what I feel like your page has a ton of. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And hopefully we will be connecting again soon. I look forward to it. This has been fun. And again, congratulations. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This week's actionable step is to support your oxytocin levels and spend more time with loved ones and spread more love and affection. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Nordic Naturals YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.